Hey, Carl here. You know, keeping your development toolbox current is key to creating today's highly scalable applications. With Oracle Cloud, you get cloud-native microservices that leverage containers, Kubernetes, and serverless technologies. And right now, you can try a free self-guided lab to learn how to build microservices on Oracle Cloud infrastructure at your own pace. Visit oracle.com slash dotnet rocks. That's oracle.com slash d-o-t-n-e-t-r-o-c-k-s. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And uh, boy, this is going to be an exciting episode. We always like talking to Anders Heilsberg, but uh, this, you know, 20 years is quite a milestone. Well, well, we got a lot to talk about, so let's just, <laughs> let's just start with the stuff that we do, uh, Better Know Framework. All right. What do you got, friend? Well, this is a, um, something from March 2021. Mm. And it's the top five TypeScript frameworks. Maybe you've heard of TypeScript? I've heard of it. Ah, okay. <laughs> might be a thing. Okay, might be a thing. <laughs> so this is a, according to, who is this? Masteringbackend.com. Uh, somebody wrote this post. The top five TypeScript frameworks to learn in 2021, now 2022. Overview the different frameworks built primarily with TypeScript as the first-class citizen, and let's just get to them. Nest.js, Anders is nodding, Feather.js, Loopback.js, Adonis.js, TS.ed. Now, for the record, I haven't heard of any of these. <laughs> but it's nice that there's an there's an, a clearly some ecosystem around. There is. Well, but that's the thing about the JavaScript ecosystem is yeah. like there's if you don't like today's frameworks, just wait until tomorrow and there'll be three new ones, you know. Yeah, so. This afternoon, <laughs> you got that right. another. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's a very vibrant community and it must make it hard to pick a horse when there's so much change and so many things to go through. Well, yeah, I, and you know, with 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 TypeScript, we don't try to pick horses. I mean, and that 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 was sort of never. Even though we early on worked with the Angular team at Google, and that sort of was was one of our pivotal moments. Um, but uh, but since then, I mean, we we basically work with all the framework teams uh, that that and and. And a large number of the frameworks are now written in TypeScript. So, yeah. yeah, I'm thinking as a developer, you know, you you want to pick a pick a horse because you got to develop a piece of software, and you know, because there's so much stuff out there, there's so many frameworks and there's so many things coming at every day, as you say, Anders, that uh, it's kind of hard. I imagine it being like you know Billy Joel, and somebody hands you a CD or a tape. You know, listen to this, listen to this. He's going to chuck it in the garbage because there's millions of people that want him to listen to stuff, right? But anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I said, you know, it's I don't even see it as my job to pick or bless or or whatever. I, I'm in the I'm in the business of making developers more productive in yeah in the tooling sense, right? And in the programming language sense. And so that's that's what I work on basically. Yeah. I don't know that picking winners really helps in that either. 
So no, you, you no, not at you all. That, 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 Again, I'm talking. Yeah. I'm thinking from the developer's perspective, from mm-hmm. the listener's perspective. Yes, but yes. we'll talk all about this stuff with Anders in a minute. But first, Richard, is somebody talking to us today? Grabbed a comment off of show 1460. So that's July of 2017, five years ago, uh, where we talked to one Anders Halsberg. Maybe you've heard of him about TypeScript and beyond. <laughs> uh, oh, of course, a ton of comments on these show on these shows as always. And admittedly, this comment is five years old. It's from Matthew Whited, who said, "You should have asked Anders about WebAssembly. Get him to write a native C sharp compiler for browsers." That's a crazy idea. Who That's crazy, that? Jack. Nobody's going to do that, Matthew. <laughs> what are you talking about? Wait, so you're asking me now? Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> it's only only five years late, Anders. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, what's funny is that we didn't talk about WebAssembly in 2017, mm. but I don't mm. know that WebAssembly was really on the radar at that point either. I mean, it was the the it was there. The Chromium guys were doing it. Chrome, you know, Chrome was doing it, but I don't know that it's, you know what for me what WA trip became relevant when Safari said yes because they were the holdout. Yeah, and WebAssembly has been on the radar for for many years, and it's definitely seeing some adoption. You know, this this notion that that you can run any kind of code in a browser hosted sandbox with actually with some of the strongest sandboxing guarantees of, of mm-hmm. anything out there. Uh, you know, a, a, a piece of WebAssembly code can absolutely do nothing unless the hosting JavaScript code permits it to. Right. And that's that's an interesting vantage point, you yeah. know, because because you start with I mean like a lot of hosting technologies today sort of start with well this and this and this and this is permitted unless you opt out of it, right? Right. Um, and that means you you sort of arrive with a bunch of security holes unless you choose to plug them. Right. Um, yeah. And 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 the thing that's interesting about WebAssembly is that there really are no holes, uh, and and it is is thoroughly useless unless the hosting JavaScript allows it to do something. You know, all it can do is make your CPU hot. <laughs> um, <laughs> until you allow it to talk to the outside world. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You so have that's, that that I think is is interesting. I think it's a it's a good way to. Um, it's a good starting point for for a for a sandbox. You know, to have yeah. to have that uh, that guarantee. I mean, to me, it feels the same way that Studio did, where you could plug languages into Studio very easily, and you get the editor. You like, you get a bunch of stuff. Here is a safe framework for you to experiment with language in that's living in the context of the browser with its protections and restrictions. Well, it's not a framework, though. I, right. I it's a CPU emulator. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I would, well, that is largely what it is. True, imagine, yeah. a great imagine way of thinking that, about it. <laughs> well, the closest analogy I could give you is: imagine you had a sixty-five hundred two emulator built into your browser. You know, right. that that that, but but that all the ports and everything was like shut off. You know, right. you, they couldn't talk to anything except you, and only if you allow it to. Right, right? in in JavaScript. Now That's I have to really dust off my in. I have to mm-hmm. dust off my indexed indirect addressing for the 6502. <laughs> <laughs> you load X and Y with the location in memory that you want to push A. If I remember yeah. correctly. Well, I mean, it, I was just trying to make an analogy, but yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Matthew, thank you so much for your comment. A copy of Music Code Buy is on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Music Code Buy, write a comment on the website at .nrocks.com or on the Facebooks. We publish every show there. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a copy of Music Code Buy. 
And definitely follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell. Uh, I'm at Carl Franklin. Send us a tweet. I, 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 I got nothing. Look at the view from my <laughs> office today. Nice. I got nothing. Thank you, Anders, for being here. Anders mm-hmm. Heilsberg probably needs no introduction if you haven't Googled him already. Uh, the, the father of Turbo Pascal, uh, Delphi, uh, C Sharp, uh, TypeScript. The list goes on and on. I don't even want to know how many patents you have, sir. But uh, let's just start out with a great big thank you for you. Oh, well, you're welcome. Thank you. you know, we <laughs> thank had you all to... for, uh, for using the stuff I work on. You know, it's, uh, that's what keeps me doing it. We had Julia Lucin on a few weeks ago, and even she said, like, how many people do you know that have made th- three a remarkable, and I would argue four remarkable development tools? Like, it, it, the, you're, you're a pretty rare creature, Anders. I'm, I'm astonished, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It, it just seems like it. <laughs> I don't know. I suppose, uh, you know, they're, they've, they've been spaced out quite a bit, right? I've been on TypeScript now for 10 years. Um, yeah, right. And, yeah, and I was on C Sharp for, for 10 years before that. And Turbo Pascal and Delphi, you know, for, well, yeah, yeah, close to. I mean, so so it's not like I'm jumping around a lot, but. No, uh, right. but, <laughs> but you've been you've been right consistently. <laughs> but it had, but it just sort of aggregates, you know, over. Yeah. I mean, I've been doing this for close to 40 years now. Yeah. So, so it's, you know, yeah, actually, that's. Yeah, it's been yeah. 40 years, believe it or not. Yeah. 40 years. Yeah. 40 years of being of building tools that made us more productive. And That's I right. I did yeah. my time in Turbo Pascal. I skipped Delphi. I apologize. Mm-hmm. Uh but uh C, the C sharp and 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 uh TypeScript are both essentials like in, mm-hmm. in the modern dev world for me anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm very very grateful. So we don't want to make Anders even more uncomfortable with more praise because uh, clearly he's that kind of humble guy. But uh, so let's just start off with, you know, your thoughts here 20 years later for, for C Sharp. Um, wow. What, what, I mean, you've seen it go through so many changes and be rewritten and, uh, you yeah. know, Rosalind. And- well, I think if anything, it, it just – it goes to show how unpredictable the world is, and and <laughs> yeah. and, and because if if it like like where we are now with .NET, which I'm by the way thrilled about and happy mm-hmm. about, like the the open sourcing that we've done over the the last many years, um, its adoption in a in you know like a, its ability to now run Linux workloads and win- mm-hmm. Windows or what have you, um, and like say the use of uh, C sharp and uh, in like in gaming, you know that I mean something I would have never expected, right? Uh, with yeah. Unity, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I think right, someone told me it's like uh, thirty to forty percent of the world C sharp programmers actually use Unity, right? Yeah. So that's remarkable. I mean, who would have thunk? <laughs> yeah, well, not a tool that Microsoft is involved in at all, right? Like it's that's a separate right, dev environment, right. a separate approach. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it is very but interesting, it, but it's wonderful, and it's it it's you know. I, I I mean I have learned a lot about uh, open source and about the the value of, of of respecting people's investment is really in in many ways I think what it what it comes down to when programmers mm. learn a programming language and a platform they invest an inordinate amount of time in it and they do not want to be locked up in a box where some 
external corporate entity controls where they can apply their creative powers, right? Yeah. right. That I think is is profound, you know, about about the the open source movement that has happened in development tools. And today, I I don't think it's possible to even think about creating a new programming language that isn't open source. Um, because who who really would pay attention? You know, who wants to be beholden? It is kind of table stakes now then to be it open is. source. Like, it is. You will not yes. be considered. Right, right. But you go back 20 years ago, you know, or, yeah. when, when we started with .NET, and oh my gosh, the world did not look that way at that yeah. time. And the fact that we've been able to to do that whole journey, that whole arc, you know, is has is is something I'm proud of, you know, and something that that I'm 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 really happy about. Anders, when you first came to Microsoft, did you have any idea that you would, you know, that C sharp would eventually become open source? And I mean, you obviously have that philosophy of you want developers to not be impinged by some big corporation, but here you are going to some big corporation, you know, from another big corporation. Do you ever have any idea that this would end up this way in 2022? No, I, I would say I, I was I mean, about as, as diametrically uh, opposed in, in, in what I thought would, would occur, you know, because I came, you got to remember, I came to Microsoft to work on Microsoft's Java development tool set. Oh, that's right. Um, yes. And, and did work on Microsoft Java development tool set for, for a year or two, um, visual J plus plus six O. Um, and, uh, that's what I thought I was going to go there to do, you know, right. now, now, now time, proved me wrong. <laughs> History is, 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 you know, but, but, but uh, yeah. So, so like I said, it's like the unpredictability is, 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 is huge here. You just have no idea what's going to happen. So Sun Microsystems gets upset with Microsoft's implementation of Java. That's got nothing to do with you, I think. And so is it just sort of a message on how it's like, Hey, we can't do Java anymore. Well, it it unfortunately ended up being pretty obvious to to us that that trying to base our future development platform on a piece of technology that was licensed from another company with which we compete is probably not going to serve our customers well long term mm -hmm. right i mean customers at the time you have to remember had a huge investment in in windows and in Technologies like Calm and Olay and Olay Automation and VBX controls and, and what have you. And there's mm -hmm. a whole technological underpinning there that we could not just go throw it all out. This is you're never going to be able to use any of that anymore. You could only run stuff inside a Java runtime that is completely cross-platform and will run everywhere else with all of the restrictions that that entails. Right. right that just isn't meaningful for, I mean, we, we would, we would basically be asking all of our customers to throw away all the work they had done. Yeah. No one, no one ever wants to do that. Right. In 1998. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, 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 it's a long, but even then investments were huge, right? Yeah, um, no, sure. It, and, so, and even so. arguably more so because there wasn't that flexibility. There weren't transpilers. There wasn't right. an easy bridge forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so I think that that, that choice in, in retrospect was really, the, it was the only choice. Right. 
Um, once, once the relationship with Sun soured, sadly, you know, um, and, and that was just how it had to be. And it, and it occurs to me, Microsoft had never made a language from scratch before. That, that, that that's not a thing they did. They implemented other languages that were out there and did a good job of it. Well, I suppose, well, yeah, well, Visual Basic is a, is, I mean, it, it, I suppose Basic existed, but, but yes. boy, Visual Basic did a whole lot of innovating, you know, oh, yeah. and had a whole lot of features that were unique to it. So, so there was some language development being, being done. But yeah, I mean, but it was definitely, I mean, with, with .NET and C Sharp, this was a, a greenfield opportunity like like you rarely see, right? Did you, were you involved in the, in the decision-making process to create C Sharp? Or was that something that somebody brought to you and said, hey, how would you feel about writing a new language? Oh, no, I was... I was deeply involved in in that decision making process and was advocating. I, I remember writing a four page white paper on what what I thought a a wonderful programming language would be. You know, and, and at the time, our customers at the time were sort of divided into two large groups. Um, there was the C plus plus crowd writing native code, and, mm-hmm. and then and having a heck of a time doing it because it is it is a Tough. there are a lot of sharp corners in yeah. in in in, <laughs> in C plus plus development, and your productivity is is hampered accordingly. And then there was the rapid application development club, the uh, VB club, the VB the VB group of people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what the but what the world really wanted was something with the the ease of use and productivity of Visual Basic, but with mm-hmm. the power and expressiveness of C++. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of our, our overall goal, I would say, when we set about defining what became C Sharp. At the time, it was not called C Sharp. In fact, the, the white paper I wrote is called What is Cool? Because right. the code name at the time was cool for C-like object-oriented language is what it what it stood for. Wow. We, we, we kind of thought that was cool, and all of our files were .cool files, you know. <laughs> but it That's turns funny. out there are way too many cool things in the world, so you can't call a product cool. Um, and so, so yeah, uh, the naming committee eventually settled on on C Sharp, which has served us well. I think. Yeah, unless you want, unless you plug it into a search engine. Uh, well, yeah. Well, even today, that that actually seems to work fairly well. It does. But, uh, it does. It did not in the beginning. I I agree. <laughs> did did the runtime matter to you? The garbage collection versus reference counting debate was that uh, important for you? Oh, sure. Now, now the the, the vision of .NET at that time was to build a multi language runtime, right? One right. that would support both native and um and uh native code and and bytecode interpreted code or mm-hmm. jitted code um it, and 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 provide what was at the time envisioned as essential services for for modern programming languages such as garbage collections gar- garbage collection and a framework with uh, a whole bunch of reusable and shareable uh, uh functionality right um and so 
So the vision was very much that .NET wasn't just for C Sharp. It was right. also for Visual Basic, and it was also for C++, and it was also for actually any other language that you wanted to host on, yeah, that's a, on that. The, fa the, the famous story of the first version of .NET is 22 languages they, they, they had support <laughs> for. Yeah. Early on, there were quite yeah. a few uh, languages. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I check every so often, like Fujitsu still supporting COBOL.net. It's up to mm -hmm. Studio 2019. And for um, yep. IBM yep. has a for, ver, flavor of Fortran yep. that's running on 2015. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but, you know, you don't see a lot of versions of Eiffel for .NET these days. You do not, but you do not see a whole lot of Eiffel, period, <laughs> these days. So um, <laughs> We love Bertrand but, Meyer. Yeah, of, of course. How, how much did Java influence the design of C Sharp? Um, it did and didn't. You know, I, I, I would say, I mean, obviously it was a force and Java influenced everything yeah, right. at that time, right? I mean, you got to remember that we all thought... This is Java is game over. There will be no more programming. This that was literally that was literally the mindset. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the late in the late 90s, right? Yeah, that, yeah. that Java was gonna take over everything. We were done making programming languages, cross-platform. This this is the one to rule them all. Yeah. Um there was even a a Java fund with like hundreds of millions of dollars whose sole purpose was to fund startups that were writing Java apps. It didn't actually matter what the apps did. It was just <laughs> merely the fact that they were written in Java. I mean, it was crazy. So of course, it, it had to influence. We could not just ignore it, right? But we were equally influenced, I would say, by, by where our customers were at the time. Like mm -hmm. I mentioned, you know, a huge group of C++ programmers, a huge group of Visual Basic programmers that we wanted to make happy um, and that we wanted to provide a migration path for and and ideally a tool that would like take them into the future. Right? They, I do get the sense from talking to you and others trying to assemble the history of .NET that you were taking, you were also looking at the mistakes that Java had made. And I'm thinking specifically around the type system. Oh, of course. I mean, we all, we all stand on the shoulders of giants, right? Sure. And I, I, I often tell people when they talk about creating a new programming language is just remember that pretty much any programming language you, you look at, there's about 10% new, if right. you're lucky, and then 90% is all the drudgery that every programming language has to do. Yeah. Um, and, and for which there is a huge established state of the art mm -hmm. that you cannot ignore right yeah. if you do you do so at your peril <laughs> ignore at your peril yeah uh, for yes sure. uh and and so yeah of course we 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 looked at what mistakes java had made and what mistakes other languages had made and quite honestly we made our own mistakes right because sure. that's how we all learn <laughs> um but 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 there it is you know it stood the test of time pretty well i think so 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 I think the, the 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 good decisions outweighed the bad, uh, apparently. <laughs> sure. Well, and I, and I and I'm thinking that, and I've seen the old paper now from Don Syme talking about generics mm -hmm. even before .NET had shipped. I mean, we on the outside didn't see generics until .NET two, but yeah. you, you guys have been thinking about it the whole time. Oh yeah, no, I I, I you know I I look back at at some early communication, and I think Don. He, we started talking to Don uh, back in early 2000, 
mm-hmm. uh, about getting generics into the runtime. Uh, and this mm-hmm. is before we didn't even preview until PDC 2000, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is before we even previewed the first version of .NET. Uh, Don and Andrew, Don Simon and Andrew Kennedy were already working on adding uh, reified generics to uh, the .NET runtime, um, which was pretty cool. And 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 we started working together on defining what it would mean to to put it into the C sharp language, which was then what happened in C sharp two o, right? Um, and so much credit goes to uh, to Don and Andrew for the great work they did there. I mean, not just oh, yeah. not just the design work, but also the implementation work. I mean, they wrote most of the code to make this stuff work. Uh, it's quite impressive. Yeah, and and also sort of the core argument, right? The best way you argue features like this is to write the code oh, yeah. and show it. Oh yeah, there's nothing yeah. like show me the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no <laughs> yeah, kidding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I also know you cared a lot about the base class libraries very early on. Can you I talk did. About yeah. That? Um, well, C Sharp was funny in, in that I I never wrote code on the compiler for C Sharp. I, I was the language designer. I wrote the spec mm-hmm. uh, and, of course, participated in, 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 in design of every feature. But the, the compiler group was uh, was led by Peter Goldie, uh, the original compiler group. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I, but I am a programmer by nature and I need to, I need to like, and I'm also a a believer in dog fooding. Um, and so what, what better way to, uh, to validate your work than to actually write a bunch of code in the language that you're defining. Right. And that was the work I did on the base class libraries, um, and later on link and, uh, you know, other, other technologies in 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 sort of in the .NET framework sphere yeah I, I yeah i appreciate that 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 was the way you got to dog food your own language was to build these things in mm-hmm. that language yes yes now later uh with the roslyn project we actually finally built the compiler in c sharp itself but we didn't have c sharp when we needed when we built the c sharp compiler so so bootstrapping wasn't really an option to begin with and and the original c sharp compiler uh, c sharp compiler yes was written in in c++ or right. i would say rather c++ minus because we didn't <laughs> use all of the <laughs> all of the features of c++, c++ um, but 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 it was a, a c++ code base hmm. right and I, and I think that's an interesting point that the majority of Microsoft developers that were working on C sharp weren't programming in C sharp; they were programming in C plus plus. Yeah, right. And it was and 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 I think it ultimately actually hampered our uh, ability to recruit uh, right. uh, uh, developers on the on the C sharp code base because you know they didn't want to write in C plus plus; they wanted to write in C sharp. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and and again the dog fooding angle you know it's there's nothing like when your entire team dog foods the product they're building every day right to make that product be better because they feel on their own bodies when something is wrong and they fix it in a hurry you yeah. know otherwise these these mistakes can just linger on because you're not actually being hampered by it yourself right that's part of why typescript is written in typescript uh you know um and it's great because we know we know TypeScript better than anybody else, but but teams that 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 do it the other way around, it's like you sort of actually have to have two teams. You have to have the team sure. that implements the technology but doesn't right. actually know the technology, and then you have to have 
the users, the, the group of like the program manager or whatever, the people that consume the technology and know it by heart, right? And mm-hmm. and that's 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 a problem. You know, yeah. it really should be the same group of people. And the way you ensure that is by dog fooding. Yeah, and and so I mean. It, on one hand, I always look at this. You have to write your compiler in the in the language you, you that you're compiling, as this weird sort of recursive inceptiony kind of craziness. But the byproduct of that is you have a team that then consumes that language every day. Yes, yes. But but you're right. It is like how 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 do you get started on something yeah. like that when well, you don't have it? Right. I mean, weird. yeah. Well, but but you can bootstrap your way into it. I mean, we could have easily switched to writing the C-sharp compiler in C-sharp way earlier than we did. Mm-hmm. And I think there were attempts, right? Like it, that this came up on a regular basis? Well, it came up on a regular basis. I wouldn't say there were attempts. I, I think it was mostly born out of just necessity eventually that right. it was getting too hard to recruit people to to work on a C++ code base. Um, and, and the pace of development in that code base was just very slow. Because it is just not a super friendly uh, yeah. development environment. Sure, um, C plus plus. And yeah. and, and you, I mean, heck, you know, you don't get to take advantage of garbage collection and Unicode strings and la la la. All this, I mean, there's just so many things that that were so complicated, you know, that and 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 didn't need to be. I and I, one of the other stories I've collected was this: you were now writing C sharp twice. Once in the compiler and once in studio for the uh, the 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 IntelliCode stuff. Yeah, yeah. Early, that, yeah. That 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 was that that was another aspect of 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 that work that we did in Rosslyn was that um, we had a command line compiler first right. first in sharp, but then we also had a language service. Um, well, it's before they were called language services, but it was like the the stuff that parsed your C-sharp in the editor and whatever and sat inside Visual Studio, right? And they were actually two separate code bases. So yeah. every time we went to implement a feature, we had to go implement it twice. Yeah. And one was perpetually behind the other, you know. And Goodness help you if they behave differently. Exactly. <laughs> That's yeah. a bad Which day. Which, of course, they always did. They, they will by definition the minute you go <laughs> implement a feature in one and not in the other, right? Right. So, <laughs> So, so that in in turn was also part of the of the sort of motivation for for the Rosslyn project, you know, where there is only now one C sharp compiler, and that compiler is written in a manner that makes it both usable as a batch compiler and as a language service. Right. And and believe you me, you end up writing your compiler very differently when when you have to target both. Um, yeah, when you think that, and way. you end up writing it differently than the books will teach you. <laughs> and, and, and guys, uh, hold that thought for just a second while we take a moment for this very important message. Hey, Carl here. You know, keeping your development toolbox current is key to creating today's highly scalable applications. With Oracle Cloud, you get cloud-native microservices that leverage containers, Kubernetes, and serverless technologies. And right now, you can try a free, self-guided lab to learn how to build microservices on Oracle Cloud infrastructure at your own pace. Visit oracle.com slash dotnet rocks. That's oracle.com slash d-o-t-n-e-t-r-o-c-k-s. Hey, Carl and Richard here. As you may have heard, NDC is back, offering their incredible in-person conferences around the world. 
and we'd like to tell you about them. NDC Security Oslo has been rescheduled to April 3rd through the 6th. Go to ndc-security.com to register. NDC London has been rescheduled to May 8th through the 12th. Go to ndc-london.com to register. NDC Copenhagen is March 14th through the 17th. Go to ndccopenhagen.com to register. NDC Porto is happening April 24th through the 28th. Go to ndcporto.com to register. NDC Minnesota is happening September 27th through the 30th. Go to ndcminnesota.com to register. Check out the full lineup of conferences at ndcconferences.com. And we're back. It's .NET Rocks. I'm Carl Franklin. That's my friend Richard Campbell. Hi there. And this is our, our guest, our friend, the very well-esteemed uh, Anders Halsberg, creator of C Sharp and other languages you may have heard of. And I, I just want to say that I came from a from a basic background. Like I started, but but I I started with Quick Basic. But I worked for a bunch of guys who were assembly programmers, and they made assembly tools that you could use in Quick Basic to make it more performant and take less memory and all that. So uh, then, of course, Visual Basic was where you know where I really cut my teeth. So when .NET came out, I was teaching VB.NET classes because the the vb community was by far the biggest community out there from my perspective anyway there was like six million vb programmers or something like that huge and um you know the it that graded against um uh, net in a in a very strange way you know because it, it was you had to move from visual basic where you were the king of the world to this you know to this different environment and it became a challenge, I know, for Microsoft. What were your recollections of that time where you guys were sort of, you know, bifurcating the, the features and things? Well, I mean, I'm not sure we thought about it that way, but there was always healthy co-opetition, co-opetition <laughs> between, between the VB.NET team and the C-Sharp team. Yeah. Um, although at, as, as time went on, it became... A very friendly relationship, and and in fact, with the Roslyn project, it it became one team uh, that builds both technologies out of as much of a shared code base as possible. Mm. Um, so large parts of the Roslyn code base are shared in between uh, the two efforts. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I I mean, ultimately, you're you're there to serve your users, and wherever your users are. You, know, you need to be to serve them, right? right? And there was a huge, uh, a huge community of VB users when we first started with .NET, and obviously we had to serve them as 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 well as we could. And I, I remember but we that, also, yeah. but we also knew that we we needed something to appeal to the curly braces crowd, <laughs> sure, if you will, um, and that was C sharp. And now now over time. C Sharp has grown to be much, much larger now. Uh, I, I think it's yes. almost 10 times as many uh, C Sharp users as VB users probably. Yeah. Um, but, but, but that wasn't the reality uh, 20 years ago. Yeah, sure. I remember that day when I sort of flipped my, my professional language that I coded for my customers. It was VBNet, and I sort of flipped over to C Sharp and uh, – Every once in a while, I get a little razz from from people in the VB community who are sort of stuck there because of their job or whatever, you know. But uh, I, I I don't regret it. Yeah, but you know, but but I do think to to the team's credit, we still 
build and maintain ABB.net product. And yeah. we still evolve it. So I and found this is 20 plus years later. I switched to C Sharp almost immediately because I found VBNet. My reflexes were wrong. I kept thinking it was VB. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it was different enough that it was easier to simply lurk in C Sharp that was completely different. Yeah. It, it made, to me, it seemed like C Sharp and VB.net had a lot more in common than VB had with either one. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I will say there that I think VB's true affinity was the VB Olay automation based runtime, right? True, that extended right. in VB6 uh, and, and, and before. Mm. Just as C Sharp's true affinity is the .NET runtime, yeah. right? And that is what feels the most native uh, for, for, for C Sharp, sure. right? And, and, and it turns out, actually, when you look around, like every every language really sort of has an affinity, but can be can but could be hosted elsewhere, right? right? Like we, we had a we had a JScript on .NET, but mm. the real JavaScript affinity, of course, is the browser, right? And the DOM and and, right. and so forth. And 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 sort of every technology is kind of like that, right? I mean, there are there are implementations of the Java programming language on the .NET platform, but of course. Yeah. The affinity is. <laughs> but you, and you, I mean, you had worked on the Java tooling originally. You also spearheaded J Sharp as, I, I presume it's because it was, were you not involved with J Sharp? No, no, I did not, actually. I never worked on, C, on, on J Sharp. Uh, I, so what was the story of J Sharp? Um, well, I mean, we had a multi-language runtime, right, in yeah. .NET. And, of course, that meant, you know, we ought to have a Java implementation on .NET because .NET has bytecodes that can run anything and whatever. Sure. And so I, 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 I never worked directly with the team that built uh, J-Sharp. It was mostly indirect. Um, and uh, I don't really have a whole lot of knowledge about it because, I, I mean, it was mostly meant as a technology that would allow people to move from Java onto .NET. But, but we full well knew that, you know, the future for anyone being on .NET would be to port to C Sharp yeah. if you were coming in from, from, from Java, right? Well, and if you're running on the CLR, then obviously you could do that. Like you, that, that became, and it's J Sharp did run against the CLR. So it was oh, basically yeah. a yeah. Java implementation against the CLR. Right, right. I just remember there being very little difference in the code um, looking at samples. Well, I well, yes and no. I mean, the base class libraries, of course, are completely different, right? right. And so, so syntactically, they may look similar, but yeah. but boy, like if, what, 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 the minute you get below the syntactic veneer, everything is different. But <laughs> at that point, it's like, why not just learn C sharp? You know? Yeah, and that's largely what what ended up happening. And well, and yeah, yeah. I mean, we talk about in those early days that. Um, that there, you, we, that it was a competition between .NET, uh, between .NET and Java and the Java runtime. These days, it's you know it's much more. Hey, we're the managed runtime folks. Like we're we we're. It seems much more comfortable than it ever was in those early days. Oh, you mean uh, the, the the relationship between us and say yeah, the uh, Java developers? Java developers and .NET developers have way more in common than they have different. Oh, oh, for sure. I mean, they they you know. Both languages are are really what power the enterprise space in sure. today's world, right? As I mean, statically that, that, typed, object oriented, yep, managed yep, runtime yep, languages. Yep, yep. 
Yep, uh, with garbage collection and whatever, yeah. all, all that that entails. Yes, and yes, there's a lot of similarity. And yes, it is definitely possible for you to move a lot of your skill set from from one to to one platform to the to the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like I said, with with you know, platforms have their uh, languages have their platform affinities, right? And and right. and this notion of trying to run Java code on .NET. Well, how would you do that when the framework that your code was using isn't yeah. there, right? Isn't I mean, there, and it's yeah. like it's just the syntax isn't really what what that's what, not the what, issue. I mean, syntax matters, <laughs> you know, but but lots of other things matter too. Was mm-hmm. there significant pushback from C plus plus developers who were doing com development, you know, to go from a reference counted world to a garbage collected world? It seems like you have to put a lot of trust in the runtime for guys like um, that to move off the bare metal. Yeah, I I think it was a big sort of learning curve like like understanding what are the pros and cons of 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 either. And I I think you know C++ is is again I'll say the word affinitized way more with lower level systems development yeah. where mm-hmm. where 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 uh, garbage collection is not mandated and exception handling or, or all of these things, you know, and, and for that matter, type safety is, is, mm. is much weaker in, in, in the C sharp universe. Right. But, but there's, and, and so it's natural affinity is in system levels things, you know, right. but, 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 but the modern enterprise doesn't build a lot of system level stuff, but it builds an awful lot of higher level enterprise stuff. And boy, it's not, it is such a fantastic trade off to say, okay, let's trade a little bit of CPU power for automatic garbage collection, right. you know, so we never have leaks and increase type safety. So we don't have bugs, you know, that, that, may bring down our banking system or our customer service system or whatever. It's, it's such a slam dunk deal and move to the, do that. Move right? the threading down there, like all the goo, all the plumbing. Yeah. And there's really a very, very small, it's only a very, very small sliver of the programming community for whom this deal is not worth it. Right. And those are the people writing the lower level systems code and operating systems and or or drivers that must have absolute maximum throughput, you know, and, mm-hmm. and they're where the only other alternative would have been written, writing writing an assembly code yeah. or, or what have you. Right. But other than that, it's such it's such a great deal, you know, also uh, for that. application developers who are dealing mm-hmm. with desktops that have the yep. memory, you know, that have the yep. power. Yep. That, uh, yeah. Hmm. I just remember Chris Sells, uh, I think Chris, before he worked at Microsoft, maybe said uh, he, he, he wrote a paper arguing to bring back reference counting to .NET. To the t- <laughs> he eventually, capit- he eventually, you know, yeah, came around. Yeah. But, uh, well, you know, the, the reference counting is fine, but it has some very well-known big issues. The minute you cr- you can create islands in reference counting, and there's and nothing will ever collect them because you can have two objects that each store a reference to each other. Right. And now they both have a non-zero reference count, but nothing else references them. Mm. That's called an island. Yeah, I would call that a memory leak. Well, exactly. Well, these <laughs> islands leak. 
right? And these islands can actually be big because it can be like a whole bunch of things referencing, like it's a whole tree with parent pointers, for right. example, right? Yeah, well, you, no one in there has a zero reference count. But if you don't, if you have nothing that externally references that tree, that huge data structure, then it's just going to sit there. It's just going to. And so there. now you need another collector still to occasionally collect the islands. Well, at that point, it's like, well, my. Okay. You could call that collector a garbage collector because yeah. that self-referential code is just garbage. <laughs> right. And in order to have that one, you need to pay all of the usual prices that you pay to have managed code. Right. Meaning mm. you need marshalling coming in and out of the box, you know, mm -hmm. so you can find all the roots on the call stack and in the heap and whatever. And, you, and once you have all of that, then why the heck have reference counting anymore? That's right. just like yeah. another way of Silly. doing the same thing, you know. So I actually have a question from the internets because uh, I put out a post that, you know, we were interviewing you and somebody who I esteem highly says, Anders, how do you think uh, about the lifespan of a language like C Sharp? It continues to innovate and remain one of the best languages and is actually showing increased adoption lately. Can that continue for 10 or more years? 20? Also... What do you think about the phenomenon of JavaScript, which was once almost universally reviled, but has now evolved into one of the most popular languages in the world? Is the lesson that if the goal is adapt, uh, adaptation, low barriers to entry is paramount? Think of learning basic on the command line versus learning Visual Studio. In light of all that, any predictions about the lifespan of JavaScript? So it's a three-part question. That's a, Yeah, there's a lot of questions yeah. wrapped up in, in a question. Um, <laughs> I think languages, all languages go through a, a life cycle that, that sort of starts with 1.0, where everything is a green field. And in a sense, you define the nature of the beast, Yeah, <laughs> you know. And then everything from there on is an arc that gradually gets flatter and flatter or more and more asymptotic, right? I mean, in terms of how much you can, you can move the nature of the beast. Um, and as you get more and more mature, unless you unless you do not care about backwards compatibility, you very quickly realize that all you can do is add. You can never take away. Yeah. And that means that means that you you aggregate more and more weight, <laughs> if yeah. you will. Right. Sure. And and the game of language design, I, I suppose, ultimately becomes one of understanding what not to put in because if you just throw everything in there then your aggregate weight is so high that you will immediately get overtaken by something else right yeah <laughs> and so so there is an arc there and 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 a language that's 20 years old cannot evolve at the same pace as a language that was just introduced or hasn't even been introduced yet right right mm. um and 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 it's important to understand that. I mean, and I think when people get it wrong and try, you know, midstream to like introduce a, let's say we're going to 3.0 and 3.0, we're going to fix all the problems that we had in the pre, but it's not going to be backwards compatible right. or, or it's only going to be 90x percent backwards compatible yeah. well the problem with 90 x percent is that you still have to look at 100 percent of all of your source code to find that 
hundred yeah. minus ninety x percentage that might be affected, right? Yeah, if it's only two percent of the code that was different and is breaking, but a hundred percent of your customers use that two percent, oh well. Well, but it's not just that. But you need to look at a hundred percent of your code to find the two yeah. percent, yep. right? For I sure. mean, and so so it is an enormous undertaking to do something like that. And at that point, you might as well look around and see if there's something even better out there that got rid of all of the the baggage, <laughs> right? So. Yeah, once you make that, you create that inflection point that allows them, that basically says these, to look up and say, look for, is there another solution to this? Exactly. That allows your customers to leave. Yeah. Or your users to leave. Yeah. So I don't want to answer the first part of that question for you, but my feeling is that where we are in .NET 6.0 sets you guys up, Microsoft, the C-sharp team, for innovation that goes well beyond the, the stuff that uh, we have now? Oh, I, I think so. I mean, I think there are, then, 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 there are, then there are seismic events like the move to open source and cross-platform for reals for .NET, right? That truly can ignite new cycles of innovation um, and enthusiasm. Um, which is what we've seen there. And I, and I think, in a sense, this speaks a little bit also to what happened with JavaScript, right? Um, JavaScript was a somewhat misunderstood language that was des- designed in a hurry, but, but for how quickly it was designed, got a remarkable number of things right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it kind of sat there, you know, for, for 10 years uh, when, whilst the browser wars were being fought. Um, and really never actually had enough performance and enough capability to become a major development platform. And then all of a sudden that changed. And that changed about 10 years ago or so, 10, 12, 15 maybe, mm-hmm. with the advent of three things, I think, coming, coming together. Um, ECMAScript 5, which finally, after a 10-year pause repaired a bunch of the major faults of of JavaScript. And HTML5, which brought the rendering, the HTML rendering engine up to snuff. Yeah. And and, and in in many ways above anything else that was was out there, right? And then all the great work that Google did in their V8 runtime to increase the performance of JavaScript by at least an order of magnitude, uh, if not more, right? It became a duel, right, between the Gecko guys, the Firefox guys, uh, or Mozilla, and the IE team too, right? They're Chakra, like Chakra V8 Gecko, like that, that sort of bounce between the three where they're each trying to one-up each other. Oh, the Chakra engine, yes, absolutely, yeah. No, and that was super healthy. Um, and then, of course, the last one then was this move away from a very heterogeneous world, you know, where like 95% of, of all devices were Windows PCs to the, the mobile device revolution, right? And the surge, the, the, the surge of Linux and whatever. And so all of a sudden we were looking at uh, a very heterogeneous, or did I say heterogeneous already? I meant homogeneous before, right? And now... Right. All of a sudden, super heterogeneous. And it turns out that on all of these devices, the only thing that's cross-platform is JavaScript. 
right. even Java, which was envisioned as the right. cross-platform language, is not truly cross-platform across devices, right? Mm. So, so all of those things all of a sudden made it made JavaScript the go-to language, and it is today by far the most popular programming language in the world. It's not even close. I mean, it is twice as large as the next closest. Uh, How much do you think the iPad was the catalyst there and the whole Jobs thoughts on Flash thing? Because the timing is pretty suspect. Um, I don't think the iPad, I think the iPhone was was obviously yeah. uh, pivotal uh, and, and super instrumental in, in, in bringing about the device revolution and, and really this, this notion that a, a PC on every desktop, well, in a sense, it's become, yes. PC in every pocket. A PC in every pocket, right? Yeah. I mean, it is it is a computing device that has way more power even than than, sure. than many contemporary PCs. Um, so so yeah, that that I think was, I I think uh, the, the the whole refusal on Apple's part to to implement Flash helped move HTML five along. Yeah, um, but it was going to happen anyway. It was it the was right decision, I think. I mean, I always debate if if Flash had been better code in the first place, like not as weighty as it was, would, would it have not happened or would it have delayed it longer? Like it, until we had such an entrenched base, yeah, it was hard to get rid it's, of. You know, I mean, it helped that Action Script was tough to work in and that it was a beast. Like it was very easy to make an enormous thing that consumed a tremendous amount of compute. It, you know, Flash wasn't made for mobile devices. It was made for PCs that were plugged in. Yeah, yeah, yes, correct. Also, the, we forget the security aspects of the plug-in model exactly. were, were yeah, so yeah. huge. Yeah, 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 yeah. Allowing more, you know, allowing mortals to put plugins into their browsers didn't work. No, like it just, no. It was a bad no. thing. Yeah. But I, I do think it was an excuse for the it was the one of the the excuse elements on top of flashes murdering the batteries of these mobile devices because it just was so <laughs> energy intensive. You know, Anders, yeah. I know this isn't your area of expertise, but what do you think about security in general in this age of hyper ransomware and you know the things are and, and attacks are just going through the roof? Um, does that cross your mind every once in a while with uh, TypeScript or C Sharp? It it does, uh, but but I I would say we're very sort of at an arm's length with with, with respect to security. Yeah. Of course, we our entire business is providing a form of security in our tools called type safety. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like like where you you know, and you could argue that a type checker is a form of security device. Right? Yeah. I mean, you certainly protect yourself more by by not having exploitable holes where where you know like the wrong kind of object can be passed and yep. uh, where buffer or overflow can write into memory right but 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 still you know in the browser uh security issues are really more around uh not leaking information that you know or 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 different kinds i mean it's 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 so so yeah. it's not clear that 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 there's all that much we can do in the programming languages to affect security other than plugging all of the all of the holes and and having no undefined behaviors i think that is that is an important thing that that 
languages ought to at least be able to guarantee, right? It doesn't matter how this code runs. There will never be undefined behaviors. There may be undesirable behaviors, but their semantics are all well-defined. Yeah. Um, the, the, the key to security exploits or whatever, and, and like, like memory overwrites and whatever, is that the behavior is undefined. Mm. And therefore, you can be clever about exploiting this undefined behavior and get highly undesirable behavior out of it, right? Yeah. But if but if all the behavior is defined, i.e., you're going to get a null pointer exception or whatever, there's only so much you can exploit in that. Right. <laughs> um, so therefore, managed languages, I think, are, are in a sense, an, an, an additional safety barrier. Um, and, and, and so in that sense, they're... they're Definitely. Different. Remember, Richard, we had a guy on who talked about how uh, .NET could be hacked in memory and hijacked, yeah. and he spent the whole time talking about this exploit and how you could exploit it. And then at the very end, he says, oh, but I sell a tool yeah. <laughs> to protect you against that. And turns out the whole thing was an <laughs> infomercial for a security tool. And we were like, that's just mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well... And, and uh, you know, hopefully we have since plugged that hole, you know. Um, yeah. But but you're right. Manage use a managed language where, you know, you can't. Yeah. I mean, do but, but when you look at the when you look at the exploits that that are actually ongoing mm -hmm. in today's world, which, of course, I lament terribly, it, it really almost always centers around like like credential security and or lack of such right privilege where, escalation where gain access to things they shouldn't have access to and that is a much higher level of function of, of, of that's at a much higher level in the stack <laughs> than what a programming language can can address sure. right? well and you're not going to find a buffer overrun uh exploit in c sharp most likely that's not going to happen so good on you yeah, you would hope. Anyway, that seems unlikely. Uh, cer certainly, the pro a problem. Do you think uh, there's room for innovation in a language like C sharp? Well, C sharp explicitly for the next twenty years. Oh, I think so. I mean, when you look at hey, it's 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 still going pretty strong, right? Sure. I mean, like cool things like pattern matching and non-nullable types and whatever. I mean, these are like these are true. Yeah. These are truly valuable features Very. that that are that are beloved by the by the community, and I I think yes, you know, there's there's room for more innovation still, um, and uh, you know, like nothing ever goes away in this world. Yeah, no. Nope. <laughs> I mean, heck, people are still programming in COBOL, like yeah, you, like it was COBOL.net for a reason. I mean, I'm not I'm not trying <laughs> to like predict a COBOL-like future for C sharp, but yeah. but I, I I think we we can I think we can keep uh, we can keep in. So what's in your inbox? What's next for, for C-sharp? Oh, gosh. Well, you should ask Matt Torgerson. That's what, Matt's what, problem. What's in, the, what's in the inbox? I participate still in the mm -hmm. language design process mm -hmm. um, and often can bring some historical context to, 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 the, to, the, to the problem, right? Uh, and then I think we have great conversations uh, between ourselves, you know, not, not, not just between... Uh, the TypeScript team and the .NET team, but also the Python team, you know, uh, Guido Van Rossum now is at, mm -hmm. at Microsoft. Um, and we have wonderful conversations in between these language teams about like things that we are working on that perhaps might apply over here as well. Um, and that cross-pollination is, it's, continues to be super useful. 
Um, I mean, I think a lot of like, for example, C Sharp's non-nullable uh, feature uh, was inspired by work that we did in, in TypeScript to, to, to solve that problem. That's great. Goodness knows that async and await has spread across a whole oh, bunch yeah. of oh, yeah. languages. Yeah, that's, that's an like. example of something that spread in the other direction, right? right? Yeah, and sure. Up in JavaScript now. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and but that was that that's that started out in C sharp five. You you finally came up with a a metaphor that allows for con for multi threaded concurrency that cooperative uh, cooperative concurrent yeah. multi-threaded mm -hmm. concurrency that any language could work with like it was the yeah. right metaphor we i remember right. that feeling around at that time and then yeah. along comes async away and everybody's like i get that yeah. and yeah. then and then everybody's like it doesn't matter what language you're you know like, yeah. that is a great way to describe a problem that could yeah. run concurrent now and a lot of credit there goes to matt's uh, torgerson actually he was mm -hmm. he was like he was pivotal and instrumental in in the uh, and creating that feature. Yeah, yeah. very interesting. Very cool. Well, thank you, Anders, for spending this hour with us. It's been great talking to you. It's always great talking to you. It's an honor and a privilege. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. <laughs> you bet. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC.